TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. The NBA trade deadline came and went. The Wolves were not active, at least in terms of completing a trade. They were plenty active on the phones. They had offers, but they did not make a deal. This is Scoop Podcast episode 201 coming to you on Thursday evening, hours after the deadline to make a trade has passed. We'll catch up with David Thorpe in just a bit to review the deadline. We will make this an NBA-centric podcast. I'll give a few tidbits on the Wolves after my conversation with David. I'll start with one note, though. Anthony Tolliver was there for the taking. He is an expiring contract. The Wolves are closer to, what, 13th place in the Western Conference than they are to 8th. For them to not at least get some sort of asset, they had three offers on the table for Tolliver, to me is a big-time swing and a miss. Scott Layden, that is a disservice. How did you not pull the trigger on Toronto's offer, Oklahoma City's offer, or Dallas's offer. When talking about offers, before C.J. Miles went to Memphis, Toronto was willing to do Miles plus a future second-round pick. Now, Miles is signed through next year, but the Wolves are not a team that is going to have cap space this summer. You could make a case that Miles could help them next year. Oklahoma City was proposing Patrick Patterson plus a future second. I get it, I guess, if you didn't want Patterson. Dallas was willing to do a few different things, definitely including a future second-round pick, if not multiple second-round picks, for sure at least one. I don't know as of now, as I sit here and tape this at 645 on Thursday evening, the player that the Mavericks had on the table, but I think that Miles and a future second-round pick offer from Toronto was one that they should have taken you should have gotten something for a guy that in all likelihood, I mean, let's be frank, Anthony Tolliver, in all likelihood, will not be back next year. On Taj Gibson, on Derek Rose, on Jeff Teague, on Gorgie Jang, I'll pass along what I have after my conversation with David Thorpe, former ESPN analyst, skills trainer. He has trained the likes of Corey Brewer, Kevin Martin, Omri Caspi, and many others. He is available on Twitter at Coach Thorpe. His website, Coach David Thorpe, T H O R. P.E. We love having him on the podcast. We will analyze both the Wolves' lack of action here at the trade deadline. Plus, I'll pick his brain on many of the trades. I don't know if we'll have time to go over every single trade, but certainly some of the headlining trades. So let's get to David right now. David, always appreciate your time. Let's start with the local team. I saw a quote from the Star Tribune beat reporter Scott Layden, the Wolves' GM, acting final say guy, met with a few reporters before the Thursday night game in Orlando. Can you translate this quote for me? Quote, it is amazing at how fast everything is, and when he says that, I'm talking about the trade deadline. It is amazing at how fast everything is, and how many things and how many opportunities there are. We just didn't see it this time as to see if we could get assets. End quote. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what language he is speaking. David, they had three offers on the table for Anthony Tolliver. I know for a fact Toronto, Oklahoma City, and Dallas had offers. Now, it comes down to the specifics of those offers, but to me, whether it's Tolliver, Taj Gibson, Jared Bayless, I mean, they have all these expiring contracts. They're not going to the playoffs. I mean, how bad did Scott Layden, in your mind, maybe you didn't mess it up at all, but but do you think Scott Layden blew it here at the trade deadline, not getting some sort of future asset for all the expiring contracts they have? Well, again, you know, it's just a guess, and I remember last year Memphis had a similar situation with Tyreek Evans, and they knew they were going to lose him, and they could have got something for him. And I, I, I recently just decided I'm not going to use the word asset. I realize you're mostly talking about uh, I picked, but uh, to me, they're people you could have gotten players and assets, which are good contracts or, or picks. Uh, Memphis screwed up. I think Minnesota probably did. I think it's interesting. I, I like how we worded. I, I hadn't heard that quote before. I like how we worded the speed of it all. It, it, it is fast. And so what I like to tell people is the smartest executives I've ever talked to or in some case even mentored, uh, you know, you, you go through, in a sense, war games. You, you, you plot all this out. You try to figure out every possible scenario, what you would do in those scenarios, just like you would for a draft, by the way. And, uh, and then as things are coming fast and furious, you at least have some kind of foundation. I, I don't know if Scott Layton at all, maybe, maybe he did do that and just nothing reached that potential. It is possible 
Garrett, that, that they had some kind of baseline that had to be reached, meaning a second-round pick, uh, a, a better deal. I, I think when people say assets, and I realize everyone kind of uses that term, what they mean if they're not talking about cash considerations or drastics, they're talking about players that are worth equal to or more than what they're being paid. Because otherwise it would be more like a liability. Where you, you take a player making $8 million a year, maybe it's only worth $4 million a year. That would not be considered an asset, right? Sure, so, absolutely. It's possible that they didn't they didn't see anything because people probably knew they didn't have much leverage. But it is fair to say that you can't just take phone calls. Um, if they were active and tried and just failed, it would take two to tango or three to tango sometimes. And so maybe they, they it just didn't work out for them. Or it's possible that the speed of the game was just too fast for them and they, and they lost that opportunity because they just weren't agile enough to get something done. They're not the only team they could have done stuff. And so the, the, the people, uh, a, a team to found other trade partners. They don't care if they don't do it with you. All right, I'll give you specifics on one. So Toronto. Toronto made an yeah. offer for Tolliver. It was C.J. Mm-hmm. Miles before Miles ended up going to Memphis. So I don't know yeah. how that trade would have worked with Toronto acquiring Marcus Gasol, which we'll get to in a bit. But it was C.J. Miles who is signed through next year. So you could argue, you tell me, maybe that's a liability, C.J. Miles next year at seven and change or six and change. Eight, somewhere eight, in that no, eight and change. I mean, it's over eight. eight. And change. Okay. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an option. It's his option. Okay, and a second-round pick. It's his option. Okay, so maybe, well, heck, he's taking that money, right? Nobody's paying C.J. Miles. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, He could do maybe three-year 12. I I don't know what he would do, three-year 13. Uh, It's 50-50, I would guess. So would you have done that? If you were Scott Layden, would you have done C.J. Miles and a future second-round pick? I don't know the particulars on the second-round pick, if it's Toronto's, if it's a pick that Toronto has from another team, but a second-round pick and C.J. Miles for Anthony Tolliver. Yeah, you have me at the second round pick. Uh, uh, The world is big. There are 60 players every year that you can draft and own in terms of rights uh, for, I mean, as much as three or four years, depending on the deal you cut. Uh, And uh, that's an advantage, especially in a place like Minnesota where free agency is a little more challenging. Mm -hmm. So anything you can do, I mean, this is what, I mean, you look at, you look at the Sixers. I I tweeted this the other day, uh, yesterday even. I'm amazed that no one's offered Sam Hickey uh, an island in the Pacific Ocean and lots and lots and lots of money. Philadelphia is today what he saw them years ago. Agree. And, yes. And, 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 and by the way, so is, so is Daryl Morning, Morning in Houston. And one of, the, one of their real brick-and-mortar advantages in what they're doing were picks. That is, that the pick is representative of hope. And, again, an opportunity to get a player that doesn't have a choice but to go play for you. And, if, and depending on where the pick is, you have some real flexibility as to the leverage you can provide uh, to give yourself the best asset. You know, Chandler Parsons, as an example, the second-round pick that signed a four-year guaranteed deal when those were very rare, I think the Rockets realized we got something pretty special here. He, he was the SEC player of the year at a big school like Florida. Uh, he, he probably should have gone first round. Uh, they ended up letting him leave, I think, after three. It was a very strange thing because he was, he was probably worth $12 million a year back then, whatever the number was, and they were paying him a million dollars a year. So the second-round picks always have those opportunities they're, they're gold. And, and it, yeah, yeah. So anything you can do to get that, you do as long as it doesn't hurt you going forward somewhere else, which, which that deal you described probably, probably doesn't hurt. You have to call, you have to call CJ's representation and get a, a feel for what they're going to do. But even if he had opted in, he, he's actually a pretty good player. I, I, I would have sure. at least strongly considered, I can't say for sure I've done it, but, uh, strong consideration for sure. I mean, the Wolves think they can still make the playoffs. I think that's part of the issue, David. Now, CJ could help them the rest of the way, but I guess they just didn't want to disrupt things. But, David, they are in 12th place as of Thursday night in the West. Who are they jumping over? And, heck, they have a lot of injuries, so they have some built-in excuses. But, hey, a lot of teams have injuries, right? Denver's overcome injuries, San Antonio, Houston, and others. So they can't just fall back always on injuries. But I just don't know who they are leaping over to make the playoffs. Then, heck, if you make the playoffs, you're what, four games and done? Five games and done if you're playing Golden State, if you're the eight seed. I mean, to me, I think you're actually better off hitting rock bottom. I really do. I mean, I I don't understand being in middle purgatory. And to me, that's the fear, David. If you're a Wolves fan, I think the Wolves might be stuck in middle purgatory for a while here. 
So I'm going to give you something to be more optimistic about in your scenario, okay? This is just my own opinion. Sure. Uh, I, 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 although I do think there is some history behind it, too. Uh, I get your argument totally, Darren, completely, totally, and it's not unique. Obviously, we hear about this kind of stuff all the time. But I would say, in general, before I even looked at specifically your team, uh, the, 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 the variable that no one factors in is the draft pick you get that ends up being an all-star, and he wasn't in the lottery. Uh, there are many examples of that, but, but the guy that I like to talk about more recently are Kawhi Leonard in the first round and Draymond Green in the second round, but there's more. All right, they, they, and they, they either, and if people also think that they, it's just a, a lucky draft or they really were drafting smart, there's much more to it than that. There's what the franchise does in the case of Kawhi developing. Rudy Gobert, I think, was picked 28. He was. Right. Okay, so he'll be the second best. 28th pick of all time. I, I think Parker was 28th pick, so he'll be first. Tony Parker. The Spurs, again, there's that name. That franchise develops their guys. Look they at do. Derek White. Look at DeJounte. I mean, Murray. And Kawhi, of course. It goes on and on. And Manu's the best second-round pick of all time. Uh, Draymond will probably be second-best uh, second-round pick of all time when it's all said and done. So that's where a team in the middle of the road, especially in your situation where you've got more or less a franchise borderline all-star center, uh, a super talented wing that's been underachieving. If, if the franchise was built more intelligently in terms of player development overall, growth is, as for these players, uh, you end up getting uh, you know, the 10th pick in the draft. Drew Holiday, I believe, went 17. Uh, these guys are there. You've got to pick them right. You've got to coach them up right. And if you do that, not, honestly, if you build a culture like that, that guy alone isn't the only one that's going to, to, to raise the value of your team and their play. Other guys will, too, because the culture works for everyone. So until that gets fixed, Minnesota's kind of stuck because everyone's going to play more or less below their potential. And then you look at Milwaukee and what they've done. As soon as they made a coaching change, boom. And, and by the way, they're probably the favorites in the East now after, after today. Well, I mean, heck, I mean, Giannis was, what, the 15th overall pick? Chris Middleton, where did he get drafted? Now, on the Wolves, though, David, I will say, Josh Okogie, I think has a really bright future. They got him at what pick last year? Pick 19, pick 20. I think he has a chance. Undrafted free agent, a kid out of Rhode Island, Jared Terrell. He's had a cup of coffee in some games. He's actually looked competent. I'm not suggesting he's a yeah. starter in this league, but I think right. he has a chance, and he's actually been dominating the G League for whatever that's worth. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of progress here in Minnesota. I don't know. It would have to be longer than a week or two or even a month or two. Yeah. But yeah. uh, I, I have my suspicions on Josh, although I, I love energy and athleticism. Uh, I, I, by no means would I say you know, he, he's limited and can't get much, much better. Of course he can and probably will. And the, hope, the hope is that he will. But that's really where it starts. Is the teams that are doing that behind the scenes and the players are getting better year-round and everyone's buying in and there's, no, there's really very little drama. I mean, the Spurs went a long time before there was any drama. Uh, Utah's a great spot for players to develop. Dante Exum likely would be an all-star now. People don't think about that had it not had some serious injuries, and, it, and I think he's a defensive demon. Uh, the good teams are doing that. I, I hope Minnesota figures that out. I always have. Uh, and then they can quickly go from a you know, 35 to 45 win team to a 15 above, and that's all you can really – you can get the 15 above most years. You, you've done what Dallas did for 20 years, and, and fans should be thrilled with that because you give yourself a chance to, 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 to make a real run at any one year. How goofy do you think this time was for Scott Layden, who in many ways, David, might be dead man walking? Like, there are no guarantees that he's going to be in the position that he's currently in three months from now. Yeah, well, I give him credit. I, again, uh, I have to say this. that I'm lucky enough to, to talk to executives, and what they can't say publicly, typically, and you know this well, is, is they're really not in charge. The owners are. There, there's very few exceptions uh, there are some owners who say basically just bring me the final deal and I'll say yes or no. There's other owners that meddle more, uh, uh, but, but it's always up to also to the owner. I always have said until you guys tell your team that probably nothing else probably will matter, but I give Layden credit for not doing something to quote unquote save his job because it looks like he's doing something. Uh, you, you, you got to stick to the process. The, the truth is, uh, he, he wants to get a job somewhere else and, and you're going to be evaluated on all of your decisions. And I think the next time he interviews for jobs, if he does lose it in Minnesota, he's going to be able to say, hey, you know, here's the deals I was given when he interviews the next place. I said no, because even though I knew I'd probably lose my job, they were bad deals. I just don't want bad deals in my resume. So I give him credit for that. If indeed 
anything he was really offered wasn't so great. One more inquiry on the Wolves, non-trade deadline related. Then we'll get to some of the other trades that did take place over the last, well, I guess even going back to the Porzingis trade over the last week or so. But what you've seen from the Wolves when you've been able to watch them the last handful of weeks since the transition from Tom Thibodeau to Ryan Saunders, anything stick out to you? Not really. Uh, other than Ryan just looks so young. <laughs> yes, he is. So, uh, he's 32, right? He is 32. Good Lord. I mean, I'm, that's more than that's going on 22 years for me. It's, it's, uh, as I get born to birthday, so your first place until college graduation for me. So, um, yeah, he looks really young. Uh, no, I, I saw them play the other night. Uh, I, I'm, I kind of look at Wiggins as the, as the limit test, the barometer. Uh, I, I don't know that there was anyone higher on him coming out of college than me. And, they, and maybe I was influenced by seeing him uh, in high school at a really big event. And I've told the story before, six minutes from my home. I took my son. I was so – I saw Embiid. I saw Wiggins. I was so impressed with him. Um, and uh, I, thought he, I thought he should be an all-star level player. And I, I, I blame him. I blame the Timberwolves. I blame the people around him. Everyone's at fault. This guy should should have been a can't-miss player. And if Ryan can get him to, 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 to be better, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I remember a friend of mine was interviewing Al Harrington one time, and Al played for pretty much the whole league. And he was asked to name the best coach he ever played for, and there was a lot of them. But he said it was Rick Carlisle. And he talked about what Rick did to get the most out of his guys. And I don't even think he was necessarily – talking about himself like I don't I think I don't think Al played so great but a lot of other people did a coach can do that a coach can absolutely do that and so if if, if I was in charge of, the, of that team and that franchise I would really challenge him to say whatever you can do to get Andrew back uh, productive efficient across the board if we can get that done product production and efficiency across the board will have gone a long way towards moving our franchise forward and and that's something he can find putting himself as a coach. All right, non-Wolves, David. Uh, we brought up the Bucks briefly, so let's just start there. You know what, speaking of Chris Middleton, he was a second-round pick, 39th overall, 2012 draft, actually by Detroit, and then got traded for Brandon Jennings. Milwaukee, a savvy trade a number of years ago. Do you like the addition of Morodic with Bledsoe, with Giannis, with Middleton, that core? I mean, is that – and Lopez, heck – I mean, Lopez yeah. all of a sudden is now a three-point shooting machine. Is that maybe the best team in the East, or do you like somebody better in the East? So, yeah, the, the Miritich trade was huge for them because it, it gives them real opportunity to get super space for Giannis, who, who just can't shoot. My, my biggest concern with the Bucks before this uh, uh, trade was in the postseason when teams can really lock in on what Giannis does. So, for example, when Giannis goes hard right, uh, if you slide aggressively to cut off his right, he, he, he wants to spin, and vice versa, especially left to right, actually. And when he spins left to right, he tends to leave the ball exposed. And so that shows up on film. You really can't focus on that so much uh, during the regular season. The games are coming too fast, but you can in the postseason. And so that's just one of probably 25 examples of what a team would do going into a series saying, whatever we have to do, Giannis can't get three, more than three dunks a game. We've got to get him to stick on the perimeter where he's not nearly as effective. And it's just that much harder to do when you can put shooters in every position on the court. Lopez and Miritich at four and five. There are other perimeter players at, at, at one, two, or whatever, whatever Giannis is, because he can be everything. Uh, it, it dramatically increases their chances of, of being the best team. Philly might have the best starting five, although I, I, I thought Jimmy Butler might get traded. Um, and uh, and I love what Toronto did with Marcus Saul. Really love what he, what they did with Marcus Saul because I think in the case of Toronto, they got a guy who in November was hands down the best defensive player in the world. Because I watch all the leagues, well, many of the leagues, the better leagues in Europe. He was the best defensive player in the world mm. in terms of what he was able to do for his team. And I think as he realized, I, I just I told you I don't think JB is a very good coach at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll get good one day, but he's not there yet. I think he realized that it just isn't going to work. I actually thought their talent was decent, good enough to be at least an 8-7-6 seed. And then they added Joakim Noah, who's a defensive demon and an energy guy, and I thought they can go up even higher. But I think Carly and Gasol both realized it's not going to happen with this guy as their coach. I know without question that, that players recognize that, 
And I think his spirit just kind of slacked, and his effort slacked, and his production slacked. And so he's going to get to Toronto, where they're trying to win a championship, and I think you're going to see the best you're going to see from him. And so there, I think it's, it's, three, it's a three-team race, as I see in the East. I'm sick that Oladipo got hurt, because that would have been great to see maybe a Celtics, Pacers, four or five series. That would yes. have been a, a battle in the first round, you know, six, seven game battle. Uh, but I still think those three teams, and I, and I would tell you now, and we have lots of, to watch there before we get there, but uh, I, any of those three teams could win. They, they, someone's got to play better. We have to look at injuries, and, and, and someone's just got to make shots. The, the teams are so even as I see it. Philly, to me, is their third best. I, I, I think they have some wing depth issues that were not addressed in, in, with the acquisitions. I don't think James Ennis is the answer, and they, they made a double deal, too, that I don't love. Um, but I think their starting five is incredible, uh, and I love Boban. Uh, obviously, Tobias is great. I love Boban off the bench for them because they can play the same style uh, they, uh, offensively that they try to pound the ball and Embiid so much in the post. And, uh, and now that Tobias is there, it's a brilliant three-point shooter, catch and shoot. I mean, brilliant, elite level. They don't have to have Embiid pop out so much, which means they can keep pounding it. And now when Boban comes in, he can do the same and, so now you're looking at a team that for 48 minutes can pound the paint with legit one-on-one low-post scoring with shooters around them. It's certainly in that first group. But Boban will probably get some run with that first group. Uh, but I still think they're in third. But, but yeah, all three of those teams I think are fantastic. Admittedly biased because he's a local guy. I like him personally. I do wonder if Philly might miss David, Mike Muscala, just a little bit? Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean... He, alphabet, I like him. Uh, he was good. I mean, yeah, he knows his I, role. I mean, they, I mean they, he's they not a starter. They, I get that. They, I mean, he knows his role, yeah. but I think yeah. he can help the Lakers now. He ended up in, well, with the Clippers, and then I was actually surprised to see the Clippers and Lakers strike a deal, but yeah, now he's with the Lakers. Yeah, unfortunately for him, uh, maybe it'll work out fine. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I think that team is kind of jacked up right now. I think everyone else does well, too, yeah. they didn't get the deal done, but uh, uh, I mean, he, I watched him play in Philly a lot. He, he was good, and uh, yeah, you're right, he knew how to play his role, and I looked really good recently in a couple of big games. I'm actually a fan. Um, and, uh, but, but I think that, I mean, you know, the Sixers getting Tobias, it, because of what happened today, and people are forgetting about it, I don't, I, none of those are my favorite deal of the trade deadline, but the, the getting Tobias is a huge deal for them, especially because I think Butler's gone at the end of the season, and I think they have a great chance to keep Tobias, and, and Tobias Simmons and Embiid are an excellent trio. Sure. I mean, it's not like Muscala, you know, prevents you from not doing the deal. And it's okay, David, you can say, hey, Darren, you're an idiot. But because I'm telling you, admittedly biased because I I like Mike so much personally, you know, so, you know, you can you can absolutely say, Darren, you're a complete moron. That's a that's an idiotic take. (laughs) Trust me, you're you're not going to offend me. All right. So you're not a Celtics guy. Then you think it's it's absolutely Toronto, Philly or Milwaukee that wins the East, not Boston. I I mean, I, I I. I think we saw last year Boston play uh, spectacularly well, uh, considering the injuries they had. And I, I, I think this year they're suffering from two things. I think they've been suffering from everyone wants a piece because the guys that have gotten paid feel like they've earned it and they want it. You know, Kyrie wants it to be his team and all that. And the other guys feel like, well, look what I did in the postseason, like Jalen Brown and Tatum and Rozier. And now all of a sudden they're getting less minutes and less touches and all of that. And and I think that's been a problem all year, although I believe their offense is first in the league since like November 26th or something. So that's been somewhat solved for sure. Uh, but now that they have every one of them, you know, everyone keeps talking about the Pelicans should have waited. And, and maybe they should have. I, I think they screwed up royally. We'll find out come July or maybe not. Maybe it'll be next year. But how do you think those Boston guys feel now, knowing that the better they play, the more attractive they are mm-hmm. to go to New Orleans and lose? You're right. Like they're they're incentivized to suck. <laughs> I, I, no one's talked You're about right. that, yeah. I, and I've not tweeted it. But I just don't know I, if that's in Jason Tatum's DNA, though. Not that I claim to know Tatum real well. I know his trainer oh, Drew not do it a little purpose. bit. I just yeah, I don't gonna, know. Yeah. I don't know if he's capable of doing that. Yeah, they're not going to do it on purpose. They want to get paid. But but I, when I'm, they, this league is so hard, uh, you don't want to be fighting spirit, right? That's always my point with Gasol. You you want these guys so incentivized, and what you're saying is. We're trying to get you to be good enough so we can trade you to the Pelicans where you can suck and get paid well. I mean, I, that's not the same as saying, hey, we're, gonna, we're incentivized for you to play great so we can pay you here 
in Boston, max dollars are close to it and contend for championships. Instead, it's no, go to New Orleans and be terrible in the West. I, I just, I think the city's great. I, I love New Orleans, but the team isn't any good. Nobody goes to the game. No one would choose it, apples to apples. I'm sorry. No one would choose New Orleans over Boston unless you're from there. And even then, you may not. Uh, and so I think that's going to be a weird dynamic. It, listen, Brad Stevens, I think, is great. Danny Ainge is great. Uh, I, I, I just think they're a step behind, those, a small step, but a, significant, but a step nonetheless of those other three teams. Speaking of great, what do you know about John Horst, the Bucks GM? I mean, I've just I've heard a lot of good things. Knowing some people in an organization, heck, Milt Newton, who used to be in the Wolves organization, yeah. is now the assistant general manager with Milwaukee. And I'm just thinking big picture. I wonder if Milt has learned a lot working under John that maybe Milt makes some sense. You know, because again, I just I struggle to see Scott Layden here beyond April, so they need to bring in somebody. So whether that's you know, Milt Newton, whether they elevate somebody internally that's below Scott Layden, whether that's Chauncey Billups, who knows who it'll be, but I'm just wondering, you know, on Horst, I mean, how brilliant is yeah. he? I mean, he's done a really good job with a lot of the moves he's made for the Bucks. I think, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think it starts, I, I'm a coach, and so I see everything through a coach's eyes, I guess. People always accuse me of that. I think getting Bud was key, was the most important thing. I mean, drafting yeah. Giannis and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think it's his vision and how they're playing. And I, I guess they talk about it playing behind a four point, an imaginary four point line. They're super spaced out, which is exactly what Giannis needs, which is why the Miritich acquisition is so good because he's, you know, he's very good in that range and all and so forth. He's tall. Um, I, I think if I'm Minnesota, I, I do everything I can to get Sam Hinkie. Uh, there's probably 50 people qualified to, to do a great job, but I just think he's better than those guys. And I, I've not talked to Sam in maybe a year, maybe one time in the last year. So I like we're buddies. We get along great run with them, but this is not taking care of a friend. This is just the truth. Philly, Philly is where they are now because of what Sam did. And simple as that. In fact, uh, I'm not convinced that had Sam not, not been allowed to stay and see it through, I don't know that, that some of the other guys wouldn't have ended up developing better. Remember, uh, Jaheel Okafor is doing well in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He, and he was a butt, and Markel Fultz is now gone. Uh, they, they blew a first pick overall. It wasn't him. Um, and yet they're still here they are. So, uh, I think Sam, and I, and I talked to Sam about this uh, a couple years ago. Uh, he, uh, and I don't know if he would take the, the job in Minnesota. I have no clue about that. But, uh, he, I said to him, I said, do you feel that you're being labeled? as just the only thing you can do. And he said, of course, you know, it's obviously something I think about, but it's ridiculous. You know, you, 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 you're problem solving. And I had a problem to solve that was unique to that market and that situation. Uh, the next job I take, if I ever take one, I'll do something different. Whatever that, whatever's needed, uh, I'll, I'll try to put together the best strategy. And he would look at Minnesota team, come up with a great strategy. And that's what everyone has to do. You have to really see it three-dimensional. You can't just say, well, this is what the Spurs did. We'll do this. You've got to take a, a, a large holistic approach to, to what's going right, what's going wrong, what are the unique challenges there, what are the strengths there, both on the court and off, and, and build a plan. And, and honestly, I think what Sacramento is doing right now, because I, I think they've been a horribly run franchise, but th- their, their fans deserve a playoff. You guys saw it, got a taste of it last mm-hmm. year. Uh, obviously, it, was, you know, it, was, it, was, it blew up. I think Sacramento's built better to last. I, I want, I want for the Minnesota fans, uh, a franchise they can be proud of that's going to win 45, 50 plus every year, uh, and, and be in, in comp- competition for something beyond another lottery pick. And right, the right management and the right coach, I think, gets it started. Are you a fan of David Griffin? I am. Yeah. You know, in fact, I have a great David Griffin story. Uh, I met David, um, and, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn because I told him this to his face and on a podcast we did together. Uh, I was not impressed when I first met David. He was an assistant GM at Phoenix. He drafted a player that I had developed, uh, uh, in one summer named Earl Clark, who was a lottery pick from Louisville. And we talked some and I was not impressed with him. I, I just, uh, what, what I didn't realize all the time then is some people just kept them, kept their opinions to themselves with me. Probably because I was also at ESPN. They, they didn't see me as in a dual role. They only saw me as a media guy that actually coached some guys in the summer. And, um, and so I thought he was of mild intellect in terms of basketball. And then I heard an amazing story. You may not know this story where he was with the Cavaliers in, in the second year that they were in the finals and they were down three to one. Okay. And they were, fl- they were flying to the Warriors. 
for a game five. Down 3-1. This was the year Golden State had the best season of all time. Nobody gave that team a chance at that point, down 3-1. Even though Draymond was suspended for game five, no one thought Cleveland had a chance. It's fair to say. You and I were doing media that none of us thought it was, mm-hmm. they, they would win. Okay, they would win three straight against the best team of all time. David Griffin emailed, I think it was as they were getting on the plane out to go out west, he emailed everyone in the franchise, secretary, the assistant, everyone. Anyone associated with the franchise, he sent an email to them all basically saying, uh, we're going to win the world championship. Of course we're going to do it down 3-1. This is just in our DNA. I don't remember the exact – I think I've even heard him or maybe even read the letter, but uh, he might have published it. But the, the, the basic idea was, of course we're down 3-1. Of course it's going to be hard. Of course we have to go on the road for two of the next three games against the greatest team of all time. This is just how it's going to be. And the reality is, it's all made up BS. There's no, <laughs> it, it, there's no faith that guarantees it, but it's exactly the message that has to be delivered to get everyone to buy in that, hey, let's just focus on one possession at a time. But we, we have hope. You have to have hope. In any of these things, you have to have hope. And that changed me in terms of my opinion for him and also just my appreciation for that kind of skill. So I've since become a huge fan. I try to watch my TV when I can. Again, I, I, both he and Hinky are interesting in that their wives are, have interesting jobs and they have interesting lives. And if they're anything like me, I, I made some choices in my career to not pursue things just because I valued marriage more. And I worried that, that I might be, it might be more challenging if I, like I've been offered head coaching jobs in the NBA and, and management jobs. Mm-hmm. And I just, and in college jobs way back in the nineties. And I didn't choose any of those things at the times. And, and I'm going into my 20, I'm in my 29th year, year of marriage and we're very happy. And my, my kids go to college in another 17 months and, and then it's just the two of us again, and we're excited. But I don't know what they would do. But I know that uh, you, you should – what I always tell owners is this, and I have a chance to talk to owners, is you should bring these guys in and ask them 8 million questions. They may tell you nothing because they're super smart, and they just want to give their stuff away for free. If you want their opinion, hire them. But try as best you can. Hire some, some espionage agent to ask the questions, to sucker them into – giving you anything because they know some keys to a kingdom that Minnesota doesn't know. And uh, by asking them a lot of questions, you may still hire them anyway, and then you'll get all the answers you need. But, but at the very least, talk to them and get them to each recommend five other people if they won't take the job because they probably know the smartest people to hire. I don't, but they do. You brought up Sacramento briefly. Do you like the addition of Harrison Barnes? Who'd they also get? Alec Burks and, I don't know, some sort of, what, future draft pick? I, and I forget everything they gave up. But I'm on Shumpert ends up in Houston, yeah. but I guess the, the key guy would be Harrison Barnes. Do you like that addition? I mean, Sacramento's got all this cap space, David, but let's be frank. I mean, it's not like that's a free agent destination. Right. Half the league or just about half the league is going to have room this summer. So I guess this is their way of saying, hey, we're not going to get a marquee free agent. Let's use that cap space on Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I, I do like it. Uh, I believe, um, I don't know if it's been released, but I think Corey Brewer's heading there. Uh, and I don't know if he's signed or not, um, but oh, I like it. Uh, yeah, I think I think he can help. Uh, I think they've got to get more athletic wings. I don't love Alec Burks defensively. He become he became a nice three point shooter, but he's not the key. Barnes is the key. Um, they are exactly what I, the example I was talking about from Minnesota. Uh, uh, people thought Buddy Hield was uh, not going to get there. The guy's averaging twenty points a game. Uh, he, he, he's nonstop energy. He's a rare. I say he's JJ Redick in many ways. JJ is an underrated hustle guy, tough guy, in a in a sweet looking. You know, uh, uh, looks like he goes to church every Sunday, and he went to Duke and all of that. He's a killer. So is Buddy. Buddy's. I mean, I always tell this about people. In fact, someone just sent me an article I wrote a couple years ago at ESPN when he was a when he was a in the draft that uh, this guy turned a football school into his own private fan club. That does not happen easily. He, he's a terrific player. Maybe, I would guess, even likely a border, an all-star in the future if they continue to rise. Fox is an all-star. He's terrific. I love him. I love the pace they're playing. That is not what Dave Yeager did in Memphis. I think he wanted no, to. The fact, I know. Yeah. yeah I, well, he wanted to run. I, I was at their oh, training sure. camp yeah. one year. He tried to run it. Just the guys wouldn't do it. Um, and uh, and so I, I give them great credit. I actually like Bogdanovich off the bench. 
Uh, I think I, I, I love Willie Collie Stein. I love Harry Giles, his potential, Marvin Bagley. I mean, they, they, listen, those guys are high draft picks too, uh, without question, but they're developing their guys. And that's step one. What you have to do is develop your guys. And Harrison, a former lottery pick, obviously, I think he might have been the best player in his high school class his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gives I me mean, in that league. I'm sorry, in that conference, as you know, you've got to have some long athletic wings that can give problems to the elite scores you're going to face. Uh, I, I happen to think this is their why Minnesota isn't going to get to the playoffs because you're going to have to get past the Clippers team that is going to drop, I think, because of Tobias and Boban being gone, mostly Tobias. Um, but the Lakers with LeBron healthy are going to make a run, and I think Sacramento's going to make a run and uh, or at least continue you know, what they're doing, which is fighting. And uh, it, it, I know this. I know Golden State's rooting for them to finish in eighth because if Golden State wins the West, as I suspect they will, and the late and, and the Kings are in eighth spot. Then Golden State's going to beat them in four games. It'll be fast paced, high scoring energy. You know, they're going to stop energy yeah. from them. It'll be fun, but they won't have to travel anywhere. And all of that counts. Uh, I don't know that anyone can get anywhere near Golden State, and especially if in round one they're not going to go to Texas or somewhere. They just have to take an hour and a half bus ride, whatever it is. I've done it. I just don't remember. Uh, that's a big advance for Golden State. But no, I think Sacramento is interesting, and, and the Barnes deal they, again. They're not going to sign someone until they make it and then once they make it they, they shouldn't give me the running for guys and Barnes helped them make it so he was important to get do you like Shumper with the Rockets I never have uh he's clearly made a difference this year I don't know if I do uh Houston's an interesting team it takes a certain kind of player to play there they're not done they, I, they're not going to get Wes Matthews I guess he's already signed I don't know what Ellington's doing maybe you do um I, I bet, I've not paid attention in the last 90 minutes maybe he's already made a decision I, they're gonna. They've got. I, I looked at Houston today, and they've got to get some help as their and their stretch four spot. I don't think they have anyone that can really do it. Uh, Gerald Green, I don't trust it off the bench at the three. Maybe they do, but I really don't. Um, Oklahoma City is the one team that I think is uh, is is built to to give some people problems. I wish Robertson was back. He'd make him he'd make him significantly better because what they can do defensively. Um, but uh, but right now I, I see Golden State as just kind of cruising. What about your guy Caspi ending up in Houston? Uh, well, he, he just had surgery today, minor surgery. Oh, That's why right. they kind of had to release him. He, uh, I, I, I really thought, well, first of all, yes, that's exactly what I just texted Omri. Uh, I think, I think Houston is an amazing spot. And I know he and Daryl, Daryl likes him a lot. He's been there before. Uh, he fits in with Antonio does. He, he had an unbelievable season in Memphis. He just got hurt. I mean, if you look at their, his metrics and, and all the plus minuses, he, he might have been their most valuable player from a plus minus standpoint. He was terrific on defense. Shot well, passed well, cut well, dunked everything. Had maybe his best year. Uh, just, you know, got hurt. Uh, um, and, and so I think that that'd be a, a good fit for him. But Houston's going to get somebody. I just think they need help at this stretch four and this small forward. They're going to they're gonna get somebody. They're, you know, Daryl knows what he's doing. How do you analyze the Bulls-Wizards trade that lands Otto Porter in Chicago? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I saw it. I didn't really watch those guys much. They're just... They're just bad teams doing bad things. Uh, Portis, I think, really talented. I don't, I don't, I know people are arguing on behalf of Porter, uh, uh, for this deal. I don't necessarily see it. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know that the Bulls really have a plan. I, I, I've not seen evidence of one. And, and I feel for Otto a little bit. They're just going to stink. And so he went from one bad situation to another. I and mean, those are two, uh, from the GM standpoint, anyway, two very poor teams. That, they, uh, the Wizards have a very good assistant GM that, it should be, if indeed, I don't know Scott Layden, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get fired or not, but if he's gone, he should be talking to Tommy Shepard at yes. Washington. It's not his fault what's going on, and, and, and no one has ever said how he kept his job as long as he did. Yeah, I've heard good things um, about Tommy. Flip Saunders yeah. used to always rave about Tommy. He's, he's just, he's, uh, everyone's got different strengths. His strength is he's everyone's best friend. He, he, he doesn't forget anything. When he, when he comes down, for example, to see if, I, if I'm working on a player that he has, that place them, whatever. He always brings NBA balls, which is something that's always hard to get. Uh, the, the, there was an all-star game in Orlando, and he knew my son really wanted to go to like slam dunk contests, whatever, and he made sure to drive out of his way to give me tickets so my son, Max, who at that point might have been you know eight or nine years old, could go. And then he always, hey, how's Max doing? Max is 17 now in the starting point guard of the varsity team. That's and Tommy still remembers yeah. that. He's He's just that kind of guy. He's been around the league forever. I think he'd hire really smart people. Um, I, I'm not trying to find a replacement for your guy who's not even fired yet, but 
I, I guess my overarching argument is that the teams that have sharp guys uh, are just so much better run because those sharp guys find other sharp guys and, and build something that, that, that can handle injuries and can handle one. I mean, look at the Spurs this year. They, they lost Kawhi Leonard. They lost Kawhi Leonard, and look what they've done. They're not going to win a I mean, Murray is a good yeah. player. He and tears his Murray's ACL. Good. Great defender. Yeah, right. Right. So they, they just, they just, that's the key. In fact, I said this about the Warriors when they signed DeMarcus. To me, getting DeMarcus, especially because I thought they would manage him well, it, that made them the, the biggest favorites they've ever been because it allows them to be able to handle an injury to any one of their other guys except for Curry. Thompson, Green, and Durant can go. I think, I think if Curry went down, they'd lose uh, potentially anyway, whereas I think if, if Durant, Green, or Thompson went down in any one series, uh, having Curry and DeMarcus is enough with the, with the other two of the three that are playing. I think that um, that depth is important, and, and so some of the teams aren't as talented but have that amazing culture and develop all their guys and everyone's bought in. Like, for example, I think the Bucks are there now. Yeah, they, they just are they're, – they're built to withstand – Bad luck. Bad luck happens. We used to always say, my, my son used to be a very serious baseball player and in Florida. We play year-round, and I coached him until he outgrew me. Uh, and we used to always say in big playoff games, in baseball, bad things are going to happen. We're going to get a bad called strike. We're going to drop a ball in the outfield, especially in, you know, when the kids are 12, 13, whatever. Bad things are going to happen. You just got to play through. And um, good franchises just do that. No matter what, injury goes down, whatever, they just know what they're doing. Whereas the, the poorly run franchises can't handle any bit of bad luck, typically. I'll leave you with this. The Dallas-Knicks trade, which almost seems like forever ago with all the activity the last 48 hours. But do you like the Porzingis trade from the Dallas standpoint? It's my favorite trade of the whole trade deadline. Mm. Yeah. I think I didn't watch Luka uh, last year, maybe even the last two years, um, I think he's incredibly special. Better, better. I projected him as an all-star. Uh, uh, he he maybe, maybe could be MVP. I mean, he's so good. He's so gifted. Really, really. People say that Mozart might have been so great at playing the piano uh, uh, because he was just so gifted. Other people say, well, no, he just started practicing when he was three because his dad was a teacher. I tend to think a little bit of both. I think, you know, genetically speaking, there probably are some predispositions that we're inclined to be better at because of our genes. That dude was born to play basketball like Larry Bird was in some ways. Um, uh, he, he's so gifted. And, uh, and I think Porzingis, people tend to return fine from his injury. Uh, I just don't know. It's funny because he played in New York, but they were so bad. I'm not sure everyone really understands how incredibly talented he is. And so that, that's a pretty well-run team in terms of how they've run their team in the past. They're going to find some good pieces. Justin Jackson they got, I think, uh, is a good shooter. Uh, he's got, he's got a, he'll have a quality role for them. They know what they're doing. Rick Carlisle is a, one of the better coaches, you know, top mm-hmm. six in the league in the world. Uh, yeah, I like uh, – like I said, it's my favorite deal for any team is getting Porzingis to pair with Luka. Uh, that's going to be uh, – uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Mavericks and over the next 10 years that those guys stay together, I think. All right, so Dallas will be a bunch better next year. I happen yeah. to think Kawhi Leonard is going to the Clippers. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think the Clippers are going to be better next year. I mean, it just circles back to the Wolves are screwed, David. They really are, even though they have this transformational big man, right? I mean, every franchise yeah. would love to have Carl Anthony Towns. Like, if you were starting a team from scratch, he probably is among what? The first five picks? He's not one. He'd be a high pick, right? But still, yeah. it just it seems like the Wolves are just stuck because the West is so darn good. Well, and Minnesota is not. Uh, that, you know, so the, o- the only way you can solve it is to, is to get the right management in place, get the, the right coach. Maybe I'm not saying Ryan isn't. I haven't studied it at all. I've just watched him play a little bit. Get the right people in place. Start developing your guys. Uh, start having a good plan for how you most want to play based on where you're – you've know, you got to look at your best talent and then decide on a style and, assist, and systems – and then, and then fill in the gaps from there and have your plan B's and C's ready to go when guys go down, whatever. And, uh, and build out your staff and, and, and it's, a, it's a year-round thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I have players that have played in certain places where they, even when they leave, they're sad because it's just an amazing place to play. And I, like, I include like Oklahoma City, which is not a great place to live necessarily for an NBA player. And I'm, I'm not saying the average person can't like it there, but NBA players have been around the world and seen what the greatest cities in the world look like. 
and they like it there because they just get treated so great. It's so it's so professional. I was talking to a guy the other day who not who's been in the NBA and plays overseas, and it's it's one of the things he talks about. This guy played at a really high level franchise, and every everything is always right. Everything is organized. You know when you're surrounded by professionalism and expertise. And Minnesota isn't known for that. No. I said the state might be, the team, the franchise isn't. And if every little thing is done right, you start you start slowly moving that ship in the right direction. And like I said, they they, they have the talent to win forty games now or so. Uh, if they if they started well from scratch with a good coach, uh, and then it just takes a little bit of good luck and a little bit of work uh, where you get to forty five fifty, and now you're in the conversation because now. You're all of a sudden you develop enough players there, and where you can move a guy uh, to go get a better guy who's just maybe coming off in a year, uh, or maybe in five months after the, or three months after the trade deadline. But you go get him. Maybe you go get a Terrence Ross, who no one went to get because he's playing great in the contract year. There's guys, Tobias. You, you know, the Sixers may lose Jimmy and Tobias, but it, but it's going to be easier to get someone when they when you know with Simmons and Embiid as our main guys, and we make it let's say the Eastern Conference Finals. If both those guys leave, which is possible, like I think Jimmy's likely to leave, uh, you're going to get another great player to play with those guys because you got yourself in that position. So that's that's what Minnesota needs to do. If I, uh, I'm rooting for him. David, always love talking to you. You're so gracious with your time. I just sit back and I absorb all your information. I so love it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate you having me. I learn so much every time I talk to David Thorpe. Again, on Twitter, at Coach Thorpe Online. Coach David Thorpe. His knowledge is unbelievable. It's off the charts. It's infinite. I just, I love picking his brain. All right. Continuing on the Wolves, it's hard to say how many offers they turned down for their guys because my sense from other teams is the Wolves counter with just ridiculousness. Like it goes back to the Jimmy Butler talks with Washington where there's some back and forth and the Wolves say, hey, we want Bradley Beal. Then Washington laughs. Then the conversation ends. There was some of that this deadline that Scott Layden asks for the moon. Now, I was told he was more communicative this time than going back to the Butler talks, going back the last couple years, going back to his New York days, that people in the league that dealt with Scott the last handful of weeks say he was more open, more communicative than he has ever been. But nonetheless, he didn't make a trade. There were trades there for the taking. How he did not make one trade is beyond me. Now, I'm told they didn't come close on Derrick Rose. They never went to Derrick Rose's representation and said, hey, well, Derrick waive his no-trade clause. Now, Derrick's hurt right now anyway, but no sense it's a long-term injury. Derrick has no trade power. So they never came close on Derrick Rose. There was some interest in Taj Gibson. But with like $6 million left in his contract, big number this year, there was a bit of a roadblock there based on the money they'd be taking back. They didn't really want to take back a ton of money, and they really value Taj. I mean, that's underrated in this equation that they feel like Taj can really help in that locker room. Now, if Taj in a week goes to them and says, hey, I'd like to go join a playoff contender, maybe they satisfy his request, they buy him out. But I just know that they value Taj a ton. And I do know that Taj likes it here, that Taj is a fan of Ryan Saunders. The Wolves have not been in on some of these buyout candidates, Wes Matthews, Wayne Ellington, Cantor. They're not in on some other guys. I've been asked about Ben McLemore. I don't know specifically on McLemore. I just know that they're not in on a bunch of guys. They were not in on Rodney Hood before he got traded to Portland. They were not in on Thon Maker before he ended up in, where did he end up? In Detroit. I thought he would make some sense. 21-year-old, he still has, I think, a bright future, or at least roll those dice on Maker, but the Wolves never inquired about Maker with the Bucks. There was some talk with the Bucks because the Bucks had some interest in Tolliver. The Sixers had some interest in Tolliver. Those teams ended up making different trades, but the Wolves certainly talked with a number of teams. So just you talk with that many teams, and I get it. I get it as much as anybody that oftentimes in the NBA, trade talk does not equal action. But in this case, there were so many deals there to be made. I just think it's a disappointment that the Wolves, specifically Scott Layden, even though it's not a dictatorship. I mean, he has a staff, but this is Scott Layden's call. I mean, I don't think it was universal across the board. I mean, that's just my sense that it was agreement across the board within that organization, Ryan Saunders, others. I just don't think it was universal, you know, to say no to some of their offers. But 
when you're countering garbage, I mean, when you're countering and you know the other team is going to say no, and I guess the comeback is, hey, the worst that the other team can say is no, at least you have to try, but come on. You just you know that certain trades are not realistic, and the Wolves put out a bunch of unrealistic offers. I guess maybe after hearing that, it's not all that surprising that they could not find a happy medium on some trade. But I do think C.J. Miles into second-round pick would have made sense for Tolliver. Tolliver is not coming back next year. I'm just telling you that. And we don't know who the coach will be. We don't know who the GM will be. So the dynamic could and likely will change in a big way, but I just I don't see it. I would be very surprised. And Dallas likes Tolliver. Tolliver recently built a house in Dallas. I guess it makes some sense for Tolliver to end up in Dallas next year. Just something to keep an eye on. On Isaiah Canaan, his 10-day contract expires, what, after the New Orleans game on Friday. No dialogue about giving him a second 10-day, but nothing has been determined. They want to see how he plays Thursday against Orlando, Friday against New Orleans. They make a determination, but it is possible the Wolves will have an open roster spot come this weekend. All right, that'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 201. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you're an NBA fan, I really do hope you enjoyed it. I'll pass along anything else I gather on my Twitter feed, DWolfson, KSTP, D-W-O-L-F-S-O-N, KSTP, KSTP TV is the main job. Five Eyewitness News in the Twin Cities, the ABC affiliate. And radio-wise, it's 1500 AM in the Twin Cities. Score North, scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R, score, S-K-O-R, North, N-O-R-T-H, score North. Dot com. It used to be 1500ESPN.com, but the new marketing slogan is Score North, playing off Skull with the Vikings and all that good stuff. But yeah, the main job is KSTP Television, and it's Channel 5 in the Twin Cities. So if you're a television viewer, if you have access to Channel 5 or the website KSTP.com, always appreciate you checking out my stories or when I anchor the sports, which is about 15 to 25 days in a calendar year. All right, appreciate it so much. Thank you. Have a good one. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.